Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. Okay, well, we are uh, in the thick of the Christmas season, and I'm going to launch right in by reading uh, a Christmas story to you. So why don't we dive into this. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news, which will bring great joy to all the people. And the Savior, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem the city of David, and you will recognize him by the sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village and they found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and the angel, uh, that the, what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept these things in her heart and thought about them often. And the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. This is, of course, a beautiful, beautiful story of the birth of Jesus. It's exciting, it's glorious, and it's obviously cherished by those of us that are followers of Jesus, those of us that call ourselves Christians. And right in the smack dab in the middle of this scripture is sort of the centerpiece of this this message, and it's what we'll be focusing on today, verse 14. And it says this, the angel said, glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Jesus' birth would bring glory to God and peace to men and women. Um, And of course, the prophet Isaiah said that Jesus would actually be called the Prince of Peace, right? Um, and, And I just, I've been feeling this increasingly, that we are a people that long for more peace in our lives. We so often feel like we're being pulled in every kind of direction. There's so many distractions, so many moments of, of bad news that come through our news feed. There's difficulties that we experience. And I don't know about you, but I just long for peace, especially in this season. And um, I was actually driving here, and there's a dentist office uh, on the way right on Northwest Highway, and they have a sign out there, and it says, wishing you peace and joy in this holiday season season, right? It's like, yeah, that's really, really nice. I wish that I could translate that message from the sign at the dentist office into my heart and into my experience. But I have a question for you, and it's this. Since when 
Has the arrival of a baby ever brought peace to anybody? <laughs> right? Like, yeah, let's have a kid. That'll make us feel real peaceful. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but when our kids were born, uh, there was not peace that came along with these kids. As a matter of fact, when our oldest son, Aiden, was born, he was our first. Um, I would not call him the Prince of Peace. <laughs> I would call him the Prince of Poop. <laughs> Right? That's, that was my experience, right? They bring sleepless nights and stress and anxiety and all that stuff. Um, and I, I was gonna, I wanted to share with you guys, I had a really interesting experience, not when, um, well, certainly when my son Aiden was born, but I had an interesting experience I want to share with you when our second kid, Cole, was born. So our boys are 15 months apart. And, um, we had heard that you can't get pregnant if you're breastfeeding. That's not true. <laughs> nope, that's not true. So anyway, so our boys are 15 months apart, and they were both born at Good Shepherd Hospital. And um, when Molly was beginning laboring with Aiden, our first, um, you know, we it was like, I think it was like 11 o'clock at night or something like that, and we were packing up to go to the hospital, and Molly said, here's the one thing, you cannot be funny at the hospital. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? She's like, I don't want you joking around with the nurses, mixing up with them while I'm like doing this labor thing. You got to get serious, man. You got to focus on me. This is a big deal. I said, all right, all right. I, I won't, I won't be funny. And so, uh, we got there. And like I said, we got there around 11 o'clock at night. And, uh, it was like a tough labor and she couldn't do an epidural and it was going a really, really long time. And round about 1130 the next morning, I had not yet been funny at all. Um, but here's the thing is I missed breakfast. And so as she's like panting and doing like pushing and all this stuff, I kind of like pulled on her shirt and I said, honey, what am I going to do about lunch? <laughs> and she's like, I don't care about your lunch, man. <laughs> Right, but the good news is that wasn't funny to her, so I, I was able to keep my promise. Right, but so anyway, we got through that. We had Aiden; all was great. And then 15 months months later, um, she was due with Cole, and she started to labor. And so we went back to the same hospital. And I thought this was going to be a slam dunk because we knew the route to the hospital. I knew where to go, all that stuff. We knew what we were doing, right? And so I dropped Molly off at the door parked the car, and as I was walking in, something completely unexpected happened. And that is, I had a panic attack. I had a literal panic attack as I entered the foyer of that hospital, and everything just got super weird, and I got super scared, and I was like, what is going on with me? And what I realized is something that I wasn't even consciously aware of the first time around, and that is that when I was walking into the hospital to have Aiden, you know, Molly and I were having Aiden, I was completely freaked out. I had nothing but like anxiety about what is this going to mean? My whole life is going to change. I don't know what's going to happen. It was bizarre world. And when I hit the threshold of Good Shepherd Hospital, all of those feelings came rushing back. And I was like, wow, I was really, really deeply impacted by that first time of having a kid. It shook up my life and it turned everything upside down. And the same was true with the birth of Jesus. It was exactly the same, but on a much, much larger scale. What happened to me was the same thing that happened to many people when Jesus was born. In Matthew chapter 2, uh, it says this, Jesus was born 
in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. King Herod was uh, uh, the, the king of Israel. He was a puppet king that was sort of put on his throne by the Roman Empire. Uh, so King Herod, uh, it was during the reign of King Herod, and about that time, it says, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. It says, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. Things were shaken up, and they didn't know what this would mean for them, right? Um, But the birth of Jesus didn't just shake people's hearts. It didn't just scare people. But for some people, uh, the birth of Jesus meant joy, and it meant peace. And I want us to to focus on that. for, for, For some The birth of Jesus was a a time of gladness. Think of the wise men. Think of the shepherds. Think of the angels, Mary and Joseph, old Simeon and Anna in the temple. Jesus changed their lives. And he brought joy and he brought peace to them. And and so again, for us, I want to ask, what? how is it that this baby could bring joy? How is it that this baby could bring peace into our actual lives? And I was thinking about how there was a moment later in Jesus' life when um, he was sharing with his disciples. He'd been doing ministry for almost three years. And he was sharing with his disciples um, what was going to happen next. And he began to share with them that that uh, he had come to bring his kingdom, but that his king- kingdom would fully come through suffering and through his death. And this was such an incredible and scary moment for the disciples because the trajectory that they thought that they were on was completely swept out from underneath them. Of course, these guys had thought, what an amazing thing. Three years earlier, Jesus had come and he had announced that the kingdom was at hand. He had announced that, that he was the Messiah that everyone, all of Israel had been waiting for. And lo and behold, he had gathered up these 12 unlikely guys and said, I am choosing you guys to be my disciples. And they put their faith in him and they thought, we can't believe our luck. The Messiah has finally come. The one that we've been waiting for forever and ever, he's finally come. And not only has the Messiah come, but we get to go along with him. We are going to be his cabinet when he establishes this earthly kingdom, right? And they thought, that Jesus was going to be an earthly king, that he was going to conquer Rome because Rome had conquered Israel. And these guys were going to have the inside scoop and that everything was going to be amazing and glorious after this. But instead, they got this devastating news that what they thought was going to happen was going to be completely different from what was actually happening, right? That their future was far different and actually quite a bit worse than what they were expecting. Has that ever happened to you guys? They thought that things were going to go well, and suddenly they heard, no, your future is going to include suffering. It's going to include death. And yes, the kingdom would come, but it would come in a much more difficult way uh, than what you were anticipating, right? This was not what they expected. It was not what they wanted to hear. And in that moment, as Jesus was, was sharing this news with them, he looked at them and he said, I want you to experience peace in the midst of this. No matter how hard your future may seem, not only will the kingdom come, but I have peace for you in the midst of it. And so he said this, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I don't give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. 
Now that must have been that must have been a small consolation to them as they heard how things were going to unfold. I don't know if it like if they started feeling hunky dory after that. I kind of doubt it. But Jesus said, "Do not let your hearts be troubled. I will give you." real peace. And of course, Paul wrote in the book of Ephesians, he he said, for he, Jesus himself, is our peace. My peace I give to you. And so sometimes peace is actually like, it's a nice concept, but it's hard to get a hold of. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced that, but I want to share with you two practices that I feel like God calls us to that will actually bring you more peace in your life. But it takes a tiny bit of work on our parts. But I want to give you two things that I think will bring peace, will increase peace in your life, the peace of Jesus, so that we can experience this Prince of Peace. You guys ready for it? Okay, so the first thing is this. I want to encourage us, and there's just two. I want to encourage us to seek And to recognize the faithfulness of God in life because God is completely faithful to you. I want you to look for, look to recognize the work of God, the hand of God, and the faithfulness of God in your life because he is faithful to you. And the more that we learn to practice, like we, so much of, of being a disciple of Jesus is practicing being a disciple. It's practicing walking. It's practicing, you know, teaching our minds how to think and what to focus on. And Christmas is this amazing time. It's an easy time for us to see the utter faithfulness of God to us and for us to see that God always delivers on his word and and the birth of Jesus of course is sort of the most vivid and bright sign that God is utterly faithful to us and one of my absolute favorite psalms I actually just my mom is going through some physical stuff right now and I actually sent this this um this psalm to her and I said mom meditate on this it will bring you peace just get this deep into your heart and it's psalm 121 I want to read it to you guys The psalmist says, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord. I just want to pause for a second. He said, I look to the mountains. Is that where my help comes from? And I would say to us, where does your help come from? Where do you look for help? Where do you look for peace right now? Do you look at your bank account? Do you look at your marriage? Do you look at your kid's future? Do you look at your jobs? What do you look at for help and peace in your life? David said, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. And the one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm, and he watches over your life. How good is that? He keeps you from all harm, and he watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. And there is just so much in those verses that I love. There's something poetic and powerful that he never sleeps, he never slumbers. As you and I sleep, the Lord is there watching over you, guarding your life. He is protecting you on the left side and the right side and front and behind. 
He is always watching you. I would have been content if the Lord would have sent a super powerful angel to watch over me, right? But he said, I myself watch over your life. The Lord is faithful to you regardless of whether or not you recognize it, regardless of whether or not you feel it. Um, and, I, and I just thought, okay, Lord, I, I get that, and I'm trying to receive that. But I was thinking, okay, Father, how, you know, in this season, I know, Lord, that you are faithful. Show me more. And I was thinking, you guys, about just the unbelievable miracle of the birth of Christ. And you probably already know that his birth, while incredible, what makes it even more incredible is that there are so many prophecies about exactly how the birth of Jesus would go down. And, and it's good to look at those prophecies. One thing that I would encourage you to do sometime over Christmas is just do a Google search of the prophecies that articulate and pointed to the birth of Christ because it is incredible how God is able to say that I'm going to do a thing and then he orchestrates life so that he can deliver on that. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to share with you just three little prophecies that point to how incredibly sovereign God is over life. I love that everything that God says he will do, he does. And so in the life of Jesus, we see, basically, we see the entire picture written in the Old Testament. And the first prophecy that I want to point your attention to is that the Old Testament says that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem, right? And so hundreds of years before Jesus was born, the prophet Micah tells us that the Messiah would come from this tiny little town of Bethlehem, right? And, uh, and so Micah writes this, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, everybody say Ephrathah. I have no idea if that's the right way to pronounce it, but that's the way we're going to do it. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. And we're actually going to talk about that a lot next week. From of old, from ancient days. So Bethlehem is this tiny little town near Jerusalem on the west bank of the Jordan. And it is the birthplace. It's a small place, especially in Jesus' day. But this was the birthplace of the king of Israel and the king of kings, the Lord of lords. But... How could this happen? Because Jesus' parents were from way up north, right, in Nazareth. So how was this prophecy going to be fulfilled? Well, Luke tells us that there was a census that forced Jesus' parents to travel way down south to Bethlehem to be registered. And it says this, And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David. And I love you guys, how God orchestrated just even the birthplace of Jesus. The second, the second uh, prophecy that I want to point you to about the birth of Jesus is that, Je- this is the crazy one, is that Jesus was born of a virgin, Right? That's probably the most astounding part of his birth story. A, you know, Aiden, Cole, and Anna, they have their own birth story. We tell it all the time. You guys hear it all the time. Jesus has his own birth story. He's like, yeah, my mom was a virgin when she conceived me, right? I guess that. Okay. I'm getting off on a tangent here. However, here's what it says. This is what Isaiah wrote. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And as the Lord was speaking this to Isaiah, 
You know that Isaiah said, what? Right? Like a virgin is going to give birth to a son. How is that going to happen? He probably was like, what's going on, God? And after he wrote it, everybody that read it was like, no way is this happening. This can't happen. It never happened before. It's never happened since. It is completely a crazy thing. And yet, 700 years later, the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary. And he said this, And behold, you will conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And it happened exactly as God said it would. Here's the last one, and this is kind of the, one of the lesser known um, prophecies of the birth of Jesus, and therefore it's one of my favorite. But um, we, you know, we talk a lot uh, during Christmas time about the three kings, the three wise men, the three magi, and they came bearing their gifts of gold and f- incense and myrrh uh, to Jesus and worship to him. And it is actually no coincidence whatsoever that these three pagan kings from out east came and gave their gifts to Jesus. It was almost as if God had the headset on, and at a certain point he said, cue the wise men, go, 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 and they entered into the scene. Well, there's a a thing that King Solomon actually prophesied that we read about in in, uh, Psalm chapter 72, verse 9 and 10, it says this, may the desert tribes bow down before him, and his enemies lick the dust, that's their face to the ground, may the kings of Tarshish and of the coastlands render him tribute, give him gifts, may the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts, well Sheba and Seba are in the southern tip of the Arabian Peninsula, in other words they are southeast of Israel, and so Matthew chapter 2 verse 1 says they came from the east bearing these gifts, and what I want us to, to, to focus on is that everything that God says that he will do, he has a miraculous way of getting done. He has a miraculous way of getting done. These are just a few of the prophecies, and I I would love for you guys to explore these on your own, but when God says that he'll do a thing, even if it seems impossible, we can trust that he will do it. And I know that, that many of us are going through difficulties right now. I know that many of us have been through very, very hard things in life. I know that, that sometimes it feels like, like God is, is taking forever, but the story for us isn't written yet. God is trust Trustworthy. We can trust in his word because he always delivers on his promises. He's, he watches over us even when we sleep. But that peace that we can experience, it only comes to us when we have eyes to see him. It only comes when we are looking to him, when we, we have ears to hear him. And I want to ask you, do you see God? in your situation? Are you looking to the God who brings peace in your life? Or are your eyes fixated on your trouble? Are they fixated on the gap? Are they fixated on the things that are causing you stress? It matters where we set our eyes. And I just want to say that the birth of Christ is this easy, good reminder that God delivers on his promises, that he's with you, that he'll take care of you. So that's the first key to experiencing more peace, is that we would make a practice of seeking and recognizing the faithfulness of God in our lives because you have a story of God's faithfulness. You do. Every one of you do. 
The second key is this. The second key to experiencing the peace of God is to not separate what God has joined together. To not separate what God has joined together. Back to Luke chapter 2 in the birth of Jesus, verse 13. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth with those whom Uh, with whom God is pleased. John Piper wrote this. He said, the key to experiencing peace on earth is keeping together what the angels kept together, the glory to God and peace to us. If you say, I don't have any interest in the glory of God, I just want the peace, then you won't get it. You can't separate the two. The angels won't let you. God won't let you. God's purpose is to give you peace by being the most glorious person in your life. Way back in Matthew, does that make sense? Way back in Matthew, at the end of Jesus' sermon, uh, he, this was the Sermon on the Mount, he, he kind of wrapped up his sermon talking about how we can conquer worry. I don't know if you remember this or not. But he said this, he said, I know that you worry about a ton of stuff. I know what it's like to live in your skin. I know that what it's like to worry about money and whether or not you're going to have food to eat, whether or not you're going to have a roof over your head, whether you're going to have a good job. I know what it's like when you, you worry about you know, what, what's going to happen with your kids or your relationships or all of these things. It's like I know all about that. And he says, and I care about all those things. And then he says this, and this is the key, you guys. He said this, I know about all that, and I'll take care of all that, but you seek first Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given given to you as well. In other words, seek to glorify God in your life, and you know what you'll experience in life? The glory of God and peace on all of your stuff. As we endeavor to lift God up in our lives, our peace increases. Can you believe that? When we take our eyes off of trouble and we put it on God, peace increases, and we can't separate those things. And what I notice about my life, and what I think happens in a lot of our lives, is that we frenetically try to create peace in our own lives. We try to create peace by buying things that make us feel peaceful, or by cleaning our houses so we can feel organized, or we try to create peace by trying to get people to treat us better, right? If they would just treat us the way that we deserve to be treated, I'll feel better about about life. We distract ourselves and we stick our noses in our phones or on our computers so we can zone out. We try to make more money because we feel like if we have enough money, we'll feel peace. And anybody that has money will tell you, you don't get more peace that way. We, we think that if we finally can get married, our spouse will make us feel peaceful. How many married people know that's not true? <laughs> Can I get a witness? (laughs) Right? Okay. So anyway, Molly's not here, so she can't say anything. But the key to peace, you guys, is seeking to glorify God. Because the greater uh, uh, glory God gets in our lives, the more he puts his peace on all the stuff that we care about. When we seek to glorify God first, we feel more peaceful about our money. When we seek to glorify God, we feel more peaceful in our relationships. When we seek to glorify God first, everything at work seems to just rise for us because God is moving in those places. And so I want to encourage you to look to God because he is utterly faithful. 
I want to encourage you to seek out his glory in the everyday workings of your life because as you place him where he belongs, as you put him first in your life, he will deliver on his promises. You'll see it more and more. Where we cast our gaze matters. So let me conclude with just this this verse again. Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. God is pleased with you and he wants to give you his peace. Amen? Is there anybody here that would, um, if I were to ask you to raise your hand, uh, is there anybody here that would say, I've got plenty of peace, I don't need any more. I'm just going to assume that we could all benefit and be blessed by an increase of peace in our lives. And so um, I would just encourage you to just kind of close your eyes if you want to so you can focus. And uh, we're just going to invite the Prince of Peace to minister to our hearts. says that where two or more are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of them. God is present with us. He watches over you when you sleep. He watches over you when you wake up, when you go through your day at work, at school. He watches over you when you uh, go to sleep at night. He knows about every detail of your lives. He knows about the details of your lives that you don't tell anybody. And there's not a thing about you that he doesn't care about. So Lord, we we just ask that you would come and Holy Spirit, that you would minister to our hearts, that you would... Um, just breathe peace upon us as we as we cast our gaze upon you. Very often in Jesus's ministry, he would encounter people that had obvious issues. People that couldn't walk, people that had leprosy, people that were blind. And so often he would say, "What do you want me to do?" And they would have to say, "I want to be healed." I would just encourage you in this moment to articulate to God what it is that you need because he is the giver of good gifts. Just tell him what you want. Tell him what you need. You have a person in your life that you care about. I know of at least a half a dozen people at Thrive that desperately need a healing touch from God that person before God, that one that you worry over. There are some in here and for a variety of reasons, your near-term, near-term future feels uncertain to you. And God is, is there waiting for you. sense that there are some that would doubt 
the strength of God kind of in your kind of deepest parts. And that doesn't, that doesn't phase God at all. But just to offer that doubt to him, if, you've, if you feel like, man, I just don't know if you can do this, offer that doubt. Say, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Lord, we're just asking for real provision here. I just pray over this church, Lord, that you would just pour out your peace upon us, Lord. In the midst of this crazy season, pour out your peace. Help us to seek and find you.